Hey, it's Dr. Fuck, and you're listening to the Plug Podcast with your host, Nate Atchison, also known as Bushy. This podcast is about music and so much more. And now, here's Bushy! Well, all right, welcome to the Plug Podcast. I am your host, Bushy. And this week is really, really special. Um, This week I sat down with Ralph Vieira, that's right, the great Dr. Fuck, of the Vieira Vault. And this is actually going to be a crossover show, an edit is going to be on his platform and an edit is going to be on mine. So that's really cool because you never know how it's going to turn out. Now we sat down to do the first part of a two-part series. Um, This week we discussed The Shining, uh, the great 1980 Stanley Kubrick film. And then next week we're going to get together and we're going to discuss Dr. Sleep, 2019 film, which is, of course, a sequel to The Shining. And uh, a lot of good conversation came about here. We had a really good time. I can't wait to get with them to do the second part. I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, really don't have music for you this week till the end of the show. Because uh, there was just so much great conversation going on. So check it out. The show you didn't know you wanted, but you gotta have. It's the Plug Podcast of Vieira Vault Crossover. Talking about The Shining. <laughs> Now it's the crossover show. The Vieira Vault meets The Plug with Bushy. Hi, Bushy. Hey, Ralph. How you doing, man? Uh, I, I was going to say thanks for having me on, but fucker, I called you. <laughs> yeah, it was your idea, man. Your idea to do this. And uh, then I was like, uh, all right. And then I thought, fuck, man. I want to I talk about it on the Vieira Vault, too, because it was initially just for The Plug. But, you know. Hey, man, uh, Vieira Vault is now officially my only podcast, and I want it to be very busy, and I got a lot of things set up, but what Bushy and I are going to do is a two-parter. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about The Shining on this episode, and then uh, the next episode will be us talking about Dr. Sleep. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm glad you were down for this, because um, I think your Vieira Vault podcast, by the way, I'm sorry to see Rocket Battle Combat podcast go. Uh, I have stayed out of the drama. That's that's kind of my thing. There is there is there is no drama. I think the problem is, and and finally, I've been waiting for it to die down, and it is dying down. I mean, I really don't know what's going on on that side, but all I know is I've been quiet. I don't want no drama. I just you know I, I I'm I never told anybody what what happened. And I don't think it's anybody's business. It's just over. I mean, we, it was a great run. Six years, I think. I don't know. You know you know more about the podcast than I do. Um, and uh, I think we ended really good. I mean, as far as the quality of shows. And uh, it just, I don't know, it just uh, reached its peak, I, I think. I, you know, 
That's yeah, fair. There, that's fair. Yeah. And when I say stayed out of the drama, what I mean is I haven't called Ian. I haven't called you to say, hey, holy fuck, what's going on, man? Jesus Christ. You know, trying to put right. pieces of this puzzle together. Uh, you're both friends of mine, and, you know, it sucks, but, you know, these things happen, and uh, I'm still going to support the both of you. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. I, I, I plan I, on having Ian on at some point, too. I, I thought this would be a great idea, because I know that you're a huge fan of this, and um, that's that's all I mean when I say I'm staying out of a drama. It's, you know, grown folks have grown folks' problems, you know, things end, that's just, that's just fucking life. <laughs> that's how it That's goes. right. Nothing lasts forever, and... Um... Just keep it at that. I mean, I've had some people. What happened? I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. I, it's just, you know, I don't want to give my side because my side will bring drama. Right. You know, so, I, you know, I just want to just like, I want to do my thing. I feel like uh, I've uh, I've done I've done just as much as uh, Ian has as far as the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And uh, I'm not going to look for somebody to do a show with because I really don't think I'll find anybody as good as Ian. I just I'm just doing my thing. Let me put it that way. And and, and I wish him the best. Whatever he does. Great, man. He, and I'm sure he'll do great. He's a funny guy. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and we, and we all know you will as well. And um, that's like, you know, what I was trying to get a hold of you about. uh recording an intro for my show because i've had to kind of revamp my show because i don't know if i have a co-host or not i wanted to let you know you know both in text and voice message i don't give a fuck about what's going on i have a favor to ask <laughs> yeah that's true you you got in contact uh when i was at a show and uh i was like yeah i'll do it you know i mean i i, I just want to fucking i i really don't feel like uh I feel like the shit should just stop, and I think it ended with a great with a great couple shows, and and that's it. Every all the inside shit, yeah, it's nasty, it's bad, but it's it's nobody's business, right? And and uh, and I don't know, I I really don't know, and I really don't care what's going on on the other side. I really don't. I don't want to know. I've had screenshots. I've asked people to stop sending me screenshots because I know how I am. I'm a you know. Hot blood is thick. That'll get upset. I don't want to know. You know, I've seen enough actually. Where well, you know, you know what's funny, Ralph is is all the, the 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 backlash of any kind has been from fans. Um, Ian stayed pretty quiet. You know, he's 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 doing just like you are. Um, good. I, I good. don't know if I'm he'll glad. ever say his side or not, but uh, I'm glad. I hope I he know does. That it's but been hey, very, he's free to do what he wants. It's been very quiet that way. You know what I mean. Sure. And I feel like, you know, he needs to do his thing. I need to do mine. And uh, I'm sure he'll do just fine. And there's no jealousy. There's no me wishing he does bad. No, if anything, I hope he does great. You know, I mean, I I, I, I hold no ill will toward him. Um, it's just it's just ended really badly where it in a way it's kind of like it ended so bad for on, on my side that it's like, Wow, I don't even want to fix this. This is so bad. I want the legacy of the Rock and uh, Metal Combat podcast to end what how it did with zero drama. Uh, the, I, I I like like the last shows, even though I'm complaining and Ian complains on some episodes. We're complaining about music, not about ourselves. We're right. not fighting amongst ourselves. None of that came on the show. Uh, so that's how I want to keep it. So you know, 
like The Shining. Let it be mysterious to a lot of people, you know? Cause, Absolutely. Man, you know, it's cause, funny because I, uh, I was just watching this before uh, we, we sat down to do this. And um, I had to take a half-hour nap because of my stupid schedule. And I had a radio show today. So I was up later than normal. Normally, I'm in bed by 9, 10 at the latest in the morning. And Nevaeh got mad at me because I was turning it off. She's like, it's just starting to get good. I'm like, shit, it's almost over. I, I tried to get you to watch this with me like four times. You're beat. Get out. Because <laughs> some people just don't understand it. I didn't. You know, the first time I saw The Shining, I hated it. I oh, found it. Did you I read found, the book? No, I don't read, dude. I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I, I've read books, but you know, I'm not a fan of novels. I, I, I zone out too much. I have a, uh, what's that called? Uh, you know, kids suffer at school. Um, oh, like ADHD. Yeah, I have that. Or ADD. It was tough me graduating high school. It was really hard. But um, I've read a couple novels. What really keeps me interested is like books about musicians, you know, because I get to read about, you know, this and that. But, you know, I've tried. I've tried to read some books and I'm kind of like, uh, oh, man, let me go back to the page because I wasn't analyzing what was just. It's like I read, but it doesn't process. OK, I got you. See, right but, now I'm in the process of reading two books at the same time. So. <laughs> but but I, I, I'm a fan of audio books. You know, that that's that keeps me more, you know, uh enthralled in what's happening now as far as the shining book and the dr sleep book i'm kind of well versed in it with what people have said about the differences in the movies and the book and uh, you know because uh i mean we'll get into it in dr sleep but i know how the book the shining ends it doesn't end like it does in the movie right well there's so many differences in uh stanley kubrick's version well kubrick yeah i i understand that kubrick only used like kind of like the the main theme of it but he made up a lot of shit yeah you know what he did he did a great job now i'll admit that when i first saw the shining i didn't necessarily get it either but that's because i was a huge fan of the stephen king novel um now i've never read dr sleep so i don't know what those differences are I and do. I like how Dr. Sleep, the film, took off where The Shining, the film, left off. You know, um, you know, going back to the Overlook, all those things, that should have never happened because in the end of the book, the hotel explodes right. you know, of The Shining. So I like to, if you're going to make this movie and make it work, you had to continue it with the Stanley Kubrick version. And I think Kubrick does an amazing job here. I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about as you go through it. I think I think this film is done in like three acts. I don't know if you would agree or not. And uh, for me, it's that middle act is actually the best part of the movie. You know, the beginning's boring, the end's insane, but that descent into madness is like some of the best stuff in that film. Right, and... I'm glad you brought up the beginning is boring. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly how I felt back then. Now I find the the beginning enthralling. Really? You see, the, the difference between The Shining and Dr. Sleep is that The Shining drags. Dr. Sleep doesn't drag at all. Not at all. I mean, and I haven't seen a three-hour version, That's but it's two and a half hours. And, and, and you're like, oh my oh, God, it's dude. over. <laughs> no, no. And the three hours the same way. It doesn't drag. But 
what I love about The Shining is the dragging part, now that I've seen it so many times, it's fucking awesome. It's not like, you know, I don't find it boring anymore. I find it, look, uh, you should you should like make a day or, you know, just daily. Go on YouTube and look at all these theories people have. I mean, there's one guy that says the whole movie revolves around a red book on the guy's desk that's interviewing, you know, Jack Torrance. Really? You know, and, and he makes sense. There's so many things that make sense that you don't realize watching the movie that people bring up. All right, let, let, let's, I mean, we're not going to go through this chronologically. Let's just like jumble it up, man. Sure, sure. All right. The theory of how did Jack get out of that locker? You know, there's so many theories. Man, this one guy brought up a theory that makes so much sense. You know, when Jack is in there trying to get out, you know that long stick on that door? Right. You know, Stanley Kubrick, like the guy's like saying he really wants you to focus on that stick because Jack keeps looking at it. He keeps fucking with it. And the thing is that why wouldn't there be an escape stick in a in a in a locker? Why wouldn't there be an escape route? What would you want to lock in a lot? It's not like you're going to keep tigers in there. Right. You know, if a human gets locked in there and no way out, that stick will help him get out. That's one theory of how he got out. The other theory how he got out, that actually there is like, you know, a uh, supernatural being, you know, the, the guy that he talked to, uh, he got out. He got him out. And then there's another theory that Danny got him out. Now, and that one makes a lot of sense too. Because if you notice, the scene where Jack is trying to get out and he's talking to the guy to let him out and you hear the door open, like, the following scene is Danny in the room with a knife going, red rum, red rum, like, where is mom? In wow. a way, it's kind of it's warning her. We're going to get murdered. Right. You know? It's like a warning. Another thing is when she locks him in the door, he, she, you know, th this is the brilliance of St Stanley Kubrick. He puts shit in scenes that, man, you got to pause and look at shit to really analyze. When he, she locks him in the room, and he's trying to get out. Come on, Wendy, get me out. And she's like walking away. Behind her, there's a there's a box of Frosted Flakes facing the, the door, which is Tony the Tiger. Right. Which is Danny's little imaginary friend is Tony. Tony, yeah, the, the little bad that lives with his mouth. Yeah, and they were saying that the theory is he was in that, uh, you know, he's hiding in the kitchen. There is also um, another door in that locker that they don't really show but you know that the guy paused it and everything and like if you look at the shelf there's a little line that looks like it could be a door he could have cut out of that door nobody can explain where the fuck the axe came from that he got they're thinking well maybe he got the axe from the store from from inside the locker and he chopped his way out you know i mean there's so many different theories and then there's a scene where, you know, Jack is walking through a hotel with the, with, the night, with the axe. He walks by the locker and you see the door wide open. Right. Which is, you know, his way, Stanley Kubrick's way of saying, look, here's the door. He got out of this door. It's just bizarre shit. There's I've so never much even shit. seen any of these videos. I'll definitely have to, uh, to, to look all, those up. They're all long, but they're very intriguing. Yeah, most of them are 20 minutes or so. But they're very intriguing, like all these uh, 
theories about the shining you know the whole indian burial ground there you see like indians um uh pictures on walls you see like in the locker there's like i think it's like oatmeal with a with an indian on it i mean stanley kubrick was very meticulous in every little scene i mean there's that scene you know the scene where where jack is like freaking out and the wife wakes him up and he's like ooh like freaking out. I think it's either that scene he's or the scene where that, he's having that bad dream. That's one where he's like worst dream he ever had. Yeah, yeah. where he said he, he actually murdered his family. Yeah. But there's also a theory that, you know, he's he's lying. He actually dreamed about molesting Danny. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but if you look closely at that scene, there's a chair behind them. And then they go back and the chair's gone. And then it keeps reappearing. And what people's theory is that Stanley Kubrick was so meticulous that he would not do that as a mistake. Right. He did that shit as purpose, on purpose, you know? Yeah, he's very, uh, I guess the filmmaker I could uh, compare Kubrick to today. And I don't know that he's as good as he was at the beginning, is um, M. Night Shyamalan. i never seen it. Uh, he's oh, the, oh, that's his name. That's he, his yeah, name. he did The Sixth Sense. Oh, I love that movie. It was brilliant, and I have never been more floored in a film than when you find out that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Yep. And I had to go and watch um, you know, all that behind-the-scenes stuff that comes with your DVDs and Blu-rays. And it, Shyamalan did the same kind of thing, only he tells you. I've never seen any uh, uh, interviews where Kubrick tells you. But Shyamalan told you, every time... You're seeing Bruce Willis in that film. You're seeing something that's red every time. The doorknob to, uh, you know, the basement office he has. Uh, everything is in red. You, it doesn't even click that he wears the same two outfits the entire time. It's the one he had on during the day and then the one he was killed in. You okay. know, it's he, he was very sure to keep those things in the film the whole way. And hide it right in front of your face. And Kubrick does a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. And Sixth Sense, I only watched once because I'm like, well, you know, I know the ending. But now I want to watch it again to see the little hints, you know. Oh, it's 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 beautifully done. If you sit there and actually watch it, the whole time you're watching this movie, it is telling you that he is dead. It but just, you don't realize it's, it. It's just filmed in a way that you don't realize it. I well, mean, you know, Christ, I love it. You uh, think he's talking to the little boy's Bob the whole time. Yeah. He doesn't even that, know he's there. Yeah, and, and you think that she was listening to him. Right. You know, I, I remember that scene. Another movie like that is The Others. You ever seen The Others? No, I haven't. Oh, I'm not going to spoil it. You need to see The Others. You want to talk about, it's kind of like Sixth Sense meets The Shining. Oh, wow. And it's really good. It's not boring. It's with Nicole Kidman. Definitely see the others. I don't want to spoil it for you, but if you like Sixth Sense, you're going to love the others. It's such a fucked up movie. It's oh, really eerie, yeah, but it's great. Check it out. It's, and it's got one of those twists at the end that you didn't see coming. You're like, whoa, what the hell? You know, it's like, wow, why didn't I realize this? Okay, like, well, is this a World War II set movie where she's got her two kids with her? Yeah, in a house. Yeah, yeah. And, and she has to close the I shade. have seen it. I would have to rewatch it. But yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I do remember the end of it going like, oh my God. 
Yeah. You know, she has to have the shades closed because the kids don't like the light and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have seen that. It is real good. And, you know, for the people that haven't, go see it. If you Absolutely. like, you know, Sixth Sense and The Shining, it, it's definitely a movie for that type of audience, you know. But, um, yeah, and, you know, and I know I know a lot about the book. I know the guy that played Scatman Crothers doesn't die in the book. Right. Um, and um, and uh, Jack doesn't freeze in the book. No, it, uh, it's set around kind of like the ending of Dr. Sleep with the boiler. Yeah. You know, he's he's off trying to kill Wendy and Danny. And, you know, the boiler starts rattling or whatever. He hears it downstairs, and he has to run down there to tend to that as, you know, Wendy and Danny get out of the hotel, and, and it blows up. Uh, they, so, you know, on the Dr. Sleep Blu-ray that I got, there's a bonus feature with interviews where the guy that made the movie is sitting right next to Stephen King, and Stephen King loved that he did that. You know, he really loved how he, he, he mixed his book with Stanley Kubrick's vision. And, you know, the, the, the big thing is that, you know, Stephen King hates what Stanley Kubrick did. But I think he's warmed up to it in that interview. He seems to like what Stanley Kubrick did. Shit, he greenlighted well, after this After all guy. these years, he, yeah. you know, the popularity, <laughs> he'd almost have to just get on board. He has to, man. And it's just, you know, I didn't get it when I was younger. I mean, I was... I was more like, you know, like like how kids are today with YouTube. You know, just 10 minutes, get to the point. You know, don't bore us, get to the course. Right. But now that I'm older, man, I got to tell you, uh, The Shining definitely is in my top five, maybe even my top three movies of all time. And it never gets boring. And, and I always see something new when watching it. And there's little things. I mean, man, I mean, there's um, the last time I watched it, you know, the part where where Jack Torrance is in the in the hotel, like sitting on the couch, and they come up to him. I never noticed he was reading a copy of Playgirl. Did you ever know that? Notice that? No, and I just watched it today. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's watching a uh, he's reading a, a copy of Playgirl, That's which showed you know, and the the actual Playgirl cover, which I saw in one of these videos, it says, "A uh, family incest: Why children sleep with their parents." Which wow. is another another hint that Kubrick has given you that he molested his kid. And, you know, and then the scene where, you know, you would never hurt mommy and daddy. And she, he's like, he's like, no, no, you know. He ends up molesting them right after that scene because that's the scene after where his shirt is torn and shit with the, you know, with his bruise. And then later she's like, oh, it was some old lady in, you know, room 237 that did it. And you, you look at Jack's face and he's kind of like, no, it wasn't. It was me. But he acted. He was like, "I'll go look at the room," you know. Right. It's these little hints. That That's just insane. So I have never yeah. in my life heard the, uh, the the molestation theory ever. I'm gonna have to check these videos out. Yeah, and and I mean, but you know, there's also like, I mean, people get so into it that a lot of that there's uh, some out there that say the 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 sweater Danny's wearing, the Apollo 13. Uh-huh. It's a it's a phallic symbol going up to his mouth, you know. Also, the scene where the bear is giving the guy head, where in the book, see, show, it shows you. I haven't read the book, but the book, it's a guy in a dog suit. Right. But in this in this uh, scene, 
the guy is giving the dude head. Then they, they the guy um, equates it with Danny brushing his teeth because he's uh, over the, uh, you know, they only show like, they don't show the upper body, but they show him kind of bent over over the sink where the door frame is blocking it. Uh-huh. And then, like, he comes up and there's foam in his mouth. I mean, that's how perverted people think, you know? And um, That's insane. I'm starting to think maybe those people have problems. <laughs> either that or Kubrick, man, because Kubrick does these little things that you don't really notice, and people catch on to it. There's a thing. I wanted to watch this before we did this podcast, and I know it was on Netflix. It's not there anymore. It's the, the most brilliant documentary on The Shining called Room 237. It's long, but this guy, like, this guy really, really nitpicks that whole movie. And I, I wanted to watch it because it's been years, and I want, and I went to watch it last night. It's not long, no longer there, and but I, I'll find it. You know, maybe I can see it before we do Doctor Sleep and give a little recap of the shit we forget to talk about The Shining. But the whole point of The Shining movie is, uh, you know, it's just you really need to analyze every little aspect of it because there's hints all over it that look for example right now you're like wow i didn't even realize the the molestation thing well i mean i i didn't read the book but isn't it doesn't he molest danny in the book not that i remember i don't have any recollection of that at all well i know he abuses him and he knocked his shoulder out i mean right. that's what they explain in the movie so it, I'm admittedly sure. it's been years since i read the book Right. I uh, could be wrong, but I think he molested him in the book. I think where Kubrick kind of left that out. Uh, but he gave hints, you know, the Playgirl magazine, the bending over, the, the guy in the bear suit. And that's another thing, the bear suit. Now, this is another thing I saw on YouTube that was very, very interesting um, in Danny's room. And it's just a little shiny scene that, you know, it goes by quick above his bed. There's a painting of two bears, one down. And one standing up. And then there's another scene where it's a painting of two little naked kids. One down, one standing up. It's all these little innuendos that this guy puts into the movies that if you don't really, like, analyze this shit, you're going to miss it. And, and you need YouTube to realize all this, man. Because a lot of stuff is, like, it's so minute in the scene. Because... You're kind of like um, distracted by the dialogue that you're not seeing what's around the room. Right, because you're paying attention to the characters. Exactly. You're paying attention to what they're talking about. And we have and to remember that the Overlook Hotel in itself is a character, so we should be paying attention to everything going on. Yeah, and the Overlook Hotel had paintings of, of uh, Indians. Um, and then there's a scene where she's running toward... Uh, toward Jack that there's a bear on the floor, like a bear rug and right. his mouth is wide open with the, you know, the, the, the bear guy giving head. Uh, and then also uh, the little girls, the twins, when they have that flash where she's, he's looking at that elevator with all the blood pouring out uh -huh. and, and it shows his mouth wide open. Then it shows the little girls and his mouth wide open again. Then they show the bear with the mouth wide open. I mean, there's all these little, things that that kind of like equate each other it, these people on youtube could be wrong but knowing kubrick's mind they could be right you know because there's just so small that you know you're gonna miss it you know but then you know there's a lot of people that look into everything and say oh that means this this means that 
we're unclear because we'll never know. And another thing about Stanley Kubrick that I discovered on these YouTube things, every interview he did, they couldn't release it. He had to overlook it afterwards. And then he would say, okay, you can release that interview. You oh, can really? It. Yeah, it was kind of a cause. Like, if you release this interview, I'm going to sue the fuck out of you if you don't get my permission. So, you know, they ask him about the photo at the end of the movie. They ask him, uh, you know, certain things. And there's some interviews he did that he contradicts some of his stories. And I think that's his brilliance. He does that on purpose because, of course, he has to okay the interviews. Right. So, therefore, he wants people to think, oh, it's about this. No, but Stanley said it was about that. Yeah, but he also said it was about this. So, Stanley, I think it's just fucking with people, you know? I think the guy's just fucking brilliant. Absolutely. And he's, he can give you every, what's the word I'm looking for? He can explain to you what the movie means all day long, but it's really up to you to decide. Yeah. You know, so by going out there and giving, you know, different accounts, that's all he's doing is saying, ha ha, dumbass, you listened to me for 20 minutes, now you decide, just go watch my movie. And, and I'll tell you something else. Very brilliant. I found on a, on a YouTube video. The Maze. The Maze is not in the book, as no, I understand. No, it's, uh, it's actually hedges uh, that are trimmed to look like different animals. And, you know, in the book, you know, Danny's on the swing outside playing. And the hedges, you know, they start coming to life and moving closer and closer and closer to them. You know, build up that kind of suspense. There was never any hedge maze at all. Yeah, but check this out. This is so brilliant. You know, there's a scene, they show the opening. You know, this is there in the daytime before the last scene. They show the opening of the maze where you can go in. Right. And there's trees around it. And then there's another scene where they're going by the opening where there's no trees. And then when they go into the maze where there's no trees, they zoom into uh uh like a map of the maze like a big uh like a little billboard of it right and it shows only one opening on the billboard but there's part of the maze that's covered by a little sign that says you know the name of the maze and stuff and that could be where the other opening is sure it's so fucking brilliant it's so brilliantly done and i think that's something kubrick did come up with you know cover that up with a little sign in the in the actual map, but they they show you one part has trees of the opening, and then another opening has no trees. You know, it's just amazing. That's why this movie is so amazing and worth watching multiple times. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and never fails to terrify. You know, and oh, it's creepy it's, 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 it's uh it's what I like about a specific kind of horror film, because I'm not necessarily into your blood and gut slasher movies. Um, they just keep getting grosser and grosser and grosser, and it's just a matter of, you know, can we make you puke, <laughs> is what yeah. those films are. Where This, this is movie, such a yeah. mental mindfuck. And, and it shows love. That's another thing you don't get in horror movies. There is a loving, you know, there's loving scenes, in the movie, which brings in that human factor, right. where a, a lot of slasher movies is just like you know, just getting hacked, you know, love whatsoever, and that's another unique thing about The Shining. It has a very big human factor to it, and the scenes that you find boring, which I found boring, 
Now looking at it, it's got, God damn, this is so interesting. Well, they're, you know, it, they're there because you, you've got to build the story, you know. Right. The, the social worker coming and talking to Wendy. You know, uh, I used to hate Shelley Duvall in this movie. I hated her. I was like, the only reason this bitch got this role is because she can scream and look scared. Because yeah. she just doesn't come off as a good actress to me. But then you watch uh, Popeye, and I thought she was amazing as fucking olive oil. You know, go figure. Right. But when you go back and watch it, like I just watched it today, the commitment she has to her nonchalance when she's speaking with this social worker about uh, uh, Danny's accident, as they call it. You know, when uh, Jack tried to pull him away from his papers, you know, it dislocates his shoulder. She's just so nonchalant about, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. It just, it happens. Yeah, in denial, in denial of, of the problem, really. The yeah. thing that, unique about Shelley Duvall, and I, and I noticed this the first time I saw the movie, I was kind of like, wow, it's a little contradicting because she's the victim, but she looks creepy as fuck, you know? Right. She looks like she should be the murderer, you know? Yeah, it's, absolutely. And, and, and another thing, you brought up the, the, the part where the girl is analyzing Danny in bed. There were little things there, too. He's laying down, and there's a bear under him. And the bear's eyes is squinting. And the guy found, like, one of those catalogs in the 70s where they bought that bear, and the eyes are perfectly rounded. So that seems kind of like a little hitting meeting there, too. Another thing, his Danny's pants are off. Right, and he's, he's just stared at his little tidy whities in a shirt. He's covering his genitals the whole scene. Yes. Which is, you know, that's another thing that, you know, equates to his molestation. And um, it's just every little detail of this fucking movie. It has uh, a deeper meaning that, uh, like, you know, it, it's just like a bed of what really went on. Because there are certain things. See, Dr. Sleep, which we'll get into. Boy, that shit's blunt. I mean, that's just to the point. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's in your face. It, it, it I don't, lets you know what's going on. I don't think there's no hidden meaning in Dr. Sleep at all. I don't think if you go back, which I have seen it three times now, two times in the theater, and I finally saw the unedited. I bought it. I got the un, uh, the, the unedited version, which, you know, the un, dude, I'm telling you, I can't stress it enough. There's scenes from Dr. Sleep that are longer in the unedited version that are very important to the movie. I'm not going to ruin it for you but like you know i'll give you a scene where it's very important a movie where you know uh, i keep forgetting his name the character's name but the scatman crothers character when he first talks to Danny, yeah when yeah when he first talks to danny on the park bench that seems very extended and there's things he says oh that are very important with danny's still a little boy we're still yeah okay yeah that scene is extended and it explains more of you know uh, I believe Rose the Hat and shit like that. You know, it's very, very important, you know. I've got a question before we go into Dr. Sleep because I have yet to go on Wikipedia. Holy fuck, that guy that plays uh, like the main guy, the, the lover or the main guy with uh, Rose the Hat, is that one of the Backstreet Boys? Uh, I, I, I got a while. I got a little. Dude, the guy looks exactly like one of the Backstreet Boys. I uh, well, I I think we actually talked about that um, when I called you because nobody else had seen it that I could talk to. Yeah, I got and, a Wikipedia that. And you had finally gone and seen it. I was like, holy fuck! I got to call you. We got to talk about this movie because I was blown away too. 
I, I want to say I don't think so. I know one of the guys that was in that group is the guy that was in uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Um, and I know that the guy that played the, uh, the Jack Torrance role, you know, uh, Dan's dad, is uh, Elliot from E.T., Oh, I didn't know that. See, I saw the making of shit, but they didn't they didn't bring that up. But they showed him, you know, he's completely bald. And that's a wig he's wearing, you know, like a Jack Nicholson type receding hairline wig. Nice. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't realize it was Elliot from E.T. Yeah, that's, that's, cool. that, that's that little boy. Uh, and he, yeah. uh, he's not one of my favorite actors or anything, but he is in about half of what's probably my all-time favorite movie um it's him brad pitt aiden quinn anthony hopkins legends of the fall that's that's up uh, there number one or number two for me all-time favorite movie i know of it i haven't seen that's where brad pitt has long hair right yeah 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 i don't think i've ever seen that it's um dude it's got a little bit of everything it uh takes place around world war one they live out in i want to say montana maybe they're out in the mountains, and it's just about a family and how uh, Brad Pitt's character is basically the rock that everybody else breaks themselves against. It's um, it's not an action movie, you know, uh, in any stretch of the term, although there are some action sequences. But the turmoil and the triumphs of this fucking family, dude, it's, it's just a brilliant movie. You know, it is, it's a good long one, too. It's, like, it's a couple hours. And, and you know, like The Shining, it's got parts that kind of they kind of drag, but they're very important to the story. However, there's nothing hidden in it. You know, right. it's, it's it's not like <coughs> when Kubrick filmed this. Everything is there for a reason. You can take nothing for granted, which is why it you know gets better you know on on multiple watches because because like you were saying, you always find something, and you're telling me stuff that even I haven't caught yet. Yeah, no, believe me. I mean, there's still a lot of YouTube videos I got to watch. It's endless. It's endless, all these theories. Um, I want to talk about what I feel is the most important scene of The Shining is the red bathroom. Um, that kind of, like, in a way, it's like, you, you might not catch it, but I think that's the most blunt that movie gets. It, um, very much so. That's what, um, oh, God, the previous uh, caretaker was uh, talking to him. Yeah. What the hell was that guy's name in the movie? Uh, Grady. Yeah. Uh, he bumps into uh, Jack in the ballroom. There's a party going on. Um, and this is one of the things that annoys me uh, before we get into the red bathroom because that's basically where all is revealed, if you ask me. Yeah, I, 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 I think so, too. There. And you don't really catch it if you're not paying attention. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But here's what annoys me. me well, I'll Jack just say this. I'll let, you go. I'll, I'll let you go on. But all I can say is that red bathroom, to me, explains that photo at the end of the movie. But go on. Oh, yeah. And I, and I definitely want to get into that because that's, like I said, it's an important scene. The two times that uh, Jack Torrance is in the bar, and you've got the, the bartender there, and I can't remember what his name is either without looking it up quick. But uh, Jack says he's a bourbon man. Fucking bartender pours him Jack Daniels whiskey. Right. It's it's not bourbon. <laughs> it annoys the fuck out of me. Well, no, no, that is bourbon. Jack Daniels is bourbon. No, it's whiskey. 
Are you sure? I could have sworn it's bourbon. Jim Beam is bourbon. Bourbon right. tends to be a Kentucky beverage. Uh, whiskey is more of a Tennessee thing. And uh, trust me, with Kristen all this time, <laughs> I know all about Jack Daniel's whiskey. <laughs> it's a well, whiskey so do now. I. <laughs> you know, it's a whiskey, not a bourbon. That was my drink of choice when I used to drink. I've I've developed a taste for it. Uh, I used to hate it. Now I could do shots, you know, Jack and Coke, whatever. But even when he goes back in, you know, and now the party's happening, the big ball's going on. You know, when he when he ends up getting into this bathroom, he asks for a bourbon on the rocks. And again, the bartender pours him some Tennessee sour mash whiskey. Jack Daniels. <laughs> that annoys the piss out of me. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm a fucking drunk. Yeah, but that, again, that's Stanley Kubrick. I'm sure, you know, like we know, Stanley Kubrick is meticulous. So if he's going to, like, say bourbon and they pour Jack Daniels that's not bourbon, he did it for a reason. He just did it for a reason. You know, that's that's uh, basically it. I mean, I, I don't maybe think Maybe he, he just does... couldn't get the rights to Jim Beam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it could really be that easy. Yeah, but at the same time, it's kind of like, uh, you know, hey, look, let's let's pour Jack Daniels, because he could have just got some, you know, rinky dink thing that, you know, uh, was one of those clear crystal whiskey, uh, you know, liquor containers that you see in every other movie. Right. Yeah. There you go. Like you know, to make it more authentic from the twenties. What do they call it? A decanter, maybe. Right. Right. So let's let's talk about that then. Uh, the, wait, 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 wait! I gotta stop you for a second. I just Wikipedia Jack Daniels. The product meets the uh, regulatory criteria for classifications as straight bourbon, though the company does uh, devours this classification. It's marketed to liquor simply as Tennessee whiskey rather than Tennessee bourbon. So it is. It is really classified. Uh, see, I knew it, dude. It's it's you see you got brainwashed by Jack Daniels saying no we're not bourbon but here it says it the product meets the regular regulatory criteria for classifications as straight bourbon it's that Jack Daniels doesn't want you to think it's bourbon I got you okay tricky bastards yeah there you go so you know I guess it was bourbon you know I'm sure the people at Jack Daniels were pissed off at you know at this guy using Jack Daniels as bourbon you know you motherfucker we don't want people to think it's bourbon. <laughs> Right, because they've had me thinking my whole life is whiskey. I yeah, wonder what I'll, I'll, I'll have to go research that when I'm like just bored out of my skull. What what is the classification that allows you to call yourself bourbon? Yeah, straight as opposed bourbon. to whiskey. It says uh, classification as straight bourbon, not just regular bourbon. <laughs> well, we don't want to drink gay bourbon. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but but I got to tell you, man, uh, going back to that scene, the the bathroom. Um, it really does say, you know, if you die at the Overlook Hotel, you become part of the staff. Right. And that happens in Dr. Sleep. Remember, yes. remember, Jack Torrance is a staff member in He's Dr. Sleep. He's a bartender. Sleep. Yeah. Yep. So, he, you know, he died. He doesn't remember. You know the, how the guy didn't remember he killed his family. Right. It's kind of like makes you forget, but you're still, you know. Uh, you know, and then uh, wasn't that guy the same guy that had his head split open going, great party? Wasn't that the same dude? Uh, remember that scene where uh, I'm Grady, talking about The Shining? Yeah. Are, are we talking about Grady, the one that bumped into Jack and takes him into the bathroom? Yeah. I want to say yes, 
because, um, man, I just watched Looks The like Shining, him. but I didn't just watch Dr. Sleep. I watched Dr. Sleep twice a couple weeks ago. Um, but it looks like him. I'm going to go with yes. It, it wouldn't be the bartender because the bartender had a full head of hair. Yeah, no, that, yeah, and that, that's explained, too, in one of those YouTube videos, who he is. Now, I can't remember, though, uh, what what he had to do with the Overlook Hotel. He died there, too. I mean, well, anybody. Every, everybody had, in yeah. there. Yeah, had died. died there. Yeah. I, I think that whole scene, uh, you know, he gets to the end talking about, you know, if he dies. But it's it's a very evil, for lack of a better term. It's a very evil scene, you know. Grady's telling Jack at this point, you have to kill your family. Yep, and you've been here all along. Yeah, it's, you know, you have to kill your family. That is the genesis of this whole thing. Your purpose in being here is to kill your family and join us. You know, the little girls keep trying to get Danny to join them. Danny's shine. I think it helps him, you know, when Tony completely takes over. Because there becomes a point where, and and it's after the Room 237 uh, scene, that Danny's not even there anymore. This is all Tony talking. And I I don't think you get a full view of, uh, of, of Danny again until he's doing the Red Rum scream. Because I think once he starts screaming at Red Rum, Red Rum, Red Rum, that's when Daddy has come back, right? You know, but I think that shine that he has, it actually protects him. He's able to see all this shit. His reaching out to Dick Halloran helps him, but that you know, Tony, the little man that lives in his mouth, blocking him out of all consciousness, you know, so Danny's not even there. Actually, saves Danny because Danny could have been taken in. You know, he could have become a part of the hotel himself. And there's also a theory that Danny, uh, Tony molested Danny. And that's in the scene where the chicks, you know, what did Danny ever let make you do something? I mean, did Tony ever make you do something? He's like, I don't want to talk about Tony anymore. Right. He, just, he just cuts it off. Yeah. Cause he's like, uh, and that's that a theory is that he's got molested by this, his imaginary character. You know, that's insane to think your mind could even fuck you that way. Yeah. Well, who knows? It could actually be a person. I mean, the way that, this guy's mind works, you know, but maybe Tony is an actual person, you know, right. we don't know, you know, we just don't know. But, you know, the, the theory of the end of the movie with, you know, Jack in the picture, which, by the way, that's an actual real picture from the 20s. It wasn't staged that Kubrick wanted to stage it. But when he saw that picture, he said, I can never recreate this picture better with a, a staged, you know, crew. Right. So all he did was superimpose uh, Jack's head on a guy that was completely bald. Where he that went into a whole different theory too. Like there's balding people, but the one guy right in the center, completely bald. You know they they put Jack on there, but and which coincides with the red bathroom scene. You know he died. Now he's part of the Overlook Hotel. Right. And he he's a staff member, and we find out he's a bartender in the next movie. You know. Yeah, it's, it's, that 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 whole scene. I mean, I mean, first of all, visually, that bathroom, beautifully clean. Yeah. But those red walls 
are insane. It's so loud. Yeah, very much so. And I think Jack's performance at this point is Oscar worthy. Oh, of course. Didn't he win for this? I don't even know. I don't keep up with that shit. He should have. See, I don't either, but he definitely should have. Because you have to realize there's no liquor in this hotel. The very fact he's standing there holding a drink, the fact that he's able to act as drunk as he is, you know, and and you can see him, he's trying to put shit together when he hears his name, Grady, huh? You know, and he's he's counting shit on his fingers. You can see him working it through as as this other grown man is wiping him off. I that was always to me kind of disturbing. Letting another grown man wet you down and wipe you off, clean you off. That that's weird. Yeah. But that could go back to the uh, the whole molestation thing. The uh, the fact I'm going to have to watch this again after we're done here because I I did not see that that was a playgirl. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is obviously the the male version of Playboy. It's all dude men in that bag. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, if you're a man watching it, you're obviously attracted to men. Right. And not to say gay guys molest little kids, but I'm just saying, you know. Right. Yeah. Let's not. Jesus Christ. Let's not get that backlash. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> that, that's what Kubrick's saying, not us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Email him. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that it always bothered me. It is. It is funny because I was watching it. You know. Like I said tonight, just before we got on, and I was like, what kind of grown man? I don't care how fucking drunk you are. Where is your mind? And this is more that, you know, descent into madness. And I think this is where, you know, the obviously Grady's talk to him is 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 the switch. The switch gets flipped right there. But how broken down mentally do you have to be that you're there, you're semi-lucid i guess and another grown man is cleaning you off and you're sitting here trying to figure out wait a second you're not supposed to be here that was that was my cheesy jack nicholson impression by the way it was pretty good it was pretty good (laughs) not bad no it was horrible no see i'm with you right now because i'm trying to there's a line he says uh grady that just stuck out to me and i saw it on here earlier wasn't it uh, you? You've always been here. Not that one, although that's important. But it's when he's talking about uh, taking care of his family. There's a way he says it, and God, it was in here. I read it earlier, and I just wish I could find it because I think that's just brilliant. Because at that point, Grady goes from the, you know, soft British. Oh, hello, sir. I'm so terribly sorry. To this guy that's telling him, you need to handle this. That's what it is. They must be corrected. That's what it is. Right. Says oh, that, that's uh, right. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, because he tells, he tells Jack that Danny uh, has... I Are we allowed to say that word? I don't want to say that word. The, he has an Edward coming here. You remember I don't know that? what you mean. You know, the, the cook. Okay. And, I'm still uh, He says he has a talent. He reached out to him, and they must be corrected. His wife and child. And he gets so stone cold, so malicious looking. He switches from that jovial, you know, butler from the Jeeves kind of attitude into you need to handle this. He's speaking for the overlook at that point, and that's kind of when. That flip is, or that uh, switch is flipped, if you ask me. 
Right. Yeah. No, I'm telling you, that scene right there is like the most blatant scene to me. There's little hints here and there, but that one is kind of like, he's laying it all out right there, you know? Hey, man, uh, I don't know what the hell you're talking because to me it kind of explains, you're going to kill your family, you're going to die, then you're going to be a staff member there not remembering that you killed your family, you know? That's kind of like what it it does, you know? (laughs) And it's brilliant. But that's what I mean. He's like, it's like the Overlook is speaking through Grady at this point. And it, it just tells him, it lays down everything that's been going on, his whole purpose for being there. He thought he was there to get a job. No, he was called there. And that's that's kind of my theory is he was called there. You know, the Overlook reached out and grabbed Jack Torrance and brought him in. You know, Stuart Oldman had nothing to do with it. The, the friends that recommended Jack to the job had nothing to do with it. It was the Overlook itself trying to get a hold of Danny. You know, because you know how it feeds on the shine. Right. So tried to get a hold of Danny, reached out itself, and called Jack to the Overlook. And that's all Grady's saying is, bitch, you've always been here. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's very revealing. And that's what I would consider the end of the second act. You know, because like I said, I this is a three-act film. You know, the, the, the first act is getting the job, introducing the characters, driving to the Overlook, um, talking about cannibalism, all kinds of crazy things, a Donner party. Then you get the descent into madness, and then you get, you know, the ending, which is Jack trying to kill his family. Right. And that's some of the most insane acting, because Jack's a great madman anyway. I mean, if if people don't believe that, they've obviously never seen One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest. Great movie. You know, he's Looney's a fucking jaybird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another great movie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's hard to go wrong with a Jack Nicholson film, you yeah. know, in general. But, that face. Oh, undeniable. I, I just went back and watched the, the, the 90 Batman. Right. And I, I'm still not a fan of that Joker, but God damn, did he nail that Joker. Oh, he was awesome. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I, I can't argue. It's more cartoony, more clown prince of crime, 60s type Joker, which is fine. That's what Burton was going for. But, dude, Jack owns it. Absolutely owns it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait till they get a look at me now. Yeah. <laughs> Winged freak terrorizes. <laughs> just nuts. Like, ooh. Ooh. And then lets out that maniacal laugh. It's great. <laughs> yeah. No, he's awesome. He's all. He's a great, great, amazing actor, man. I, and, and to me, his crowning achievement is a shining. I mean, like when she's accusing him of uh, molest, uh, of beating the kid, the, that face expression, that confusion yeah, he has in his like, face. What the fuck are you talking about? I, there's never been a better look of I don't know who you even are right now. <laughs> you know, and, and and another thing too, I found out on YouTube, the scene with him throwing the ball against the wall, they they see that as him like you know like a blasphemous thing because. He's throwing the ball at images of Indians. And, you know, and they explain in the beginning while they're walking to the hotel. Oh, it, that it was built on a burial ground. Yeah, an Indian burial ground. And, and there he is, like, you know, throwing a ball at an Indian. Con- you know, that's another, you know. Uh, now, see, but- I don't remember if that was part of the book. But I know Stephen King uses that theme in a few. Because Pet Cemetery, you know, the, the Pet Cemetery was built on a Micmac Indian burial ground. 
So it's it's definitely a possibility. Right. Well, again, Kubrick, you know, took liberty in uh, his story. Well, he wrote it with somebody else. I'm sitting here looking at, uh, you know, I'm on Wikipedia as we're doing this. Uh, it was co-written with some lady named Diane Johnson. I don't even know who the hell that is. I got to I gotta look at, you see, I haven't watched The Shining in a while. I got to look at the extra features on that. But first, I got to see that Room 237. I got to see that documentary. I remember that documentary was like longer than The Shining, actually. That's insane. The Shining yeah, it's, is a couple hours. I think it's like three hours or four hours. The room. I saw it, man. I saw it when, on Netflix had it, man, like years ago. And it was so meticulous. And I don't remember. I don't remember. All I remember is the Indian things with the oatmeal and shit like that. But I got, I got a, you know, there's a lot of symbolization with, uh, it symbolizes room 237. It symbolizes uh, the old lady in the bathtub. And like a lot, it explains a lot. You know, that, that is the ultimate, you know, guide to if you want to see every little meticulous detail of the shiny you got to see that documentary but there's also people on youtube that shy from that theory and come up with other things that sound like it could be possible you know it's like mm, maybe that uh you know i mean and, and that's the brilliance of kubrick he, he can get a lot of people to come up with different theories that still all make sense huh. you know it's it's you amazing. could uh you could buy or rent room 237 on YouTube, and it shows here it's uh, an hour and 43 minutes. Oh, then maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was longer. Maybe I am but, wrong. But even so, this, I mean, you can get it, I guess okay. is uh, <laughs> the purpose of uh, telling you that. Okay. I, I will get it. I will watch it before we watch, uh, before we talk about uh, Dr. Sleep. Oh, man. But back into this movie, um, Christ. So we, we talk about the red bathroom scene, and that's kind of where all hell starts to break loose. You know, you've had glimpses and images up to this point, but this is what all hell breaks loose. This is what Jack completely loses it. I think that switch to absolute insanity, because you get glimpses, you know, as we're going through, you know, the confusion when Wendy approaches him about the woman in room 237. The anger when he's talking to the bartender because he was even accused of anything in the first goddamn place. You can kind of see it, but holy shit, this is pure insanity at this point. And this is what I like about Kubrick's film as opposed to King's book because he never gets out of the insanity in the, in the movie. Never, right. it, it never leaves him until he freezes to death in the maze. At that point, he's just dead. In the book, the boiler downstairs snaps him back to reality. Oh, interesting. See, yeah, I didn't because, know that. Because he's got to go down there to save the Overlook. Now, is he still crazy? Well, yeah, the Overlook still has him. But he knows he's got to get to the boiler. And that's kind of, um, that's a moment of clarity, I guess. Even well, if it's just about saving the hotel. It's still a moment of clarity where, okay, killing my family is not important anymore. I've got to get down here because we're going to lose everything. You know, and in, in, in the movie, you never get that. He stays completely insane and hell-bent on killing his family. That's his whole purpose in life is to kill them. 
Well, I mean, to me, it kind of sounds like he's still insane. It's the hotel making him save the hotel. Again, that's true. But the boiler rumbling and starting to bang and clank because it's about to explode because the pressure is building up is what turns his mind to that. You know what I mean? Because I don't even think they ever make it outside in the book. God, I would have to go back and read it again. You know, I think it's, I think everything's in the hotel. You know, in, in, in the movie, obviously, they escape through the window, or Danny escapes through the window, because Jack is coming through the door <coughs> with the axe. And, you know, Danny, of course, runs into the maze. And I just watched this. Where the hell does Shelley Duvall go? <laughs> right. I was just thinking of that. Like, after that scene with the axe, does she show up again in the movie? I could not recall. I'm trying to think. Yeah, doesn't she hook up with Danny and they leave in the snowblower or something? I don't know. Oh, I yeah. Got, yeah, I, the snowcat. Danny comes out of the maze. Right. Jack's in there lost. Danny comes out. They get the snowcat haul ass. And there's another theory. There, here's another theory. You know when Danny does his uh, little foot, footprint trick? Um, where he does the foot trim, then he covers his his tracks and right. confuses. Uh, that goes back to the earlier in the movie where Danny's watching the Roadrunner, saying he got the idea from that. Because you know how the Roadrunner always did like some clever shit to fucking to yeah. mess up the coyote, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's another theory. So many theories. It's yeah, endless. It's... And I'm not done with the YouTube thing. There's so many more I gotta watch. It's just endless. I know I'm going to have to get into that because um, you know, just glancing at it there, trying to find that uh, documentary you were talking about, is uh, all this stuff pops up. I'm like, oh shit! I didn't even know this existed. Like I had no idea. I know that The Shining is kind of a, a cult favorite. I know that um, you know, I was only five when it came out, so I obviously didn't see it then. You know, I saw it. I saw it in the theater, and I was bored out of my skull. I was creeped out. You know, by the twins and stuff, but but I still walked out of the theater going, God, that was confusing. I didn't like it. And it wasn't until later on I gave it more of a chance, and I was like, Dude, this movie is God. You know, yeah, it's it's amazing, and, and that's the thing. It's one of those like even Nevaeh earlier. You know, I tried to get her to watch Doctor Sleep, and she said it was stupid. You know, yeah, she'll she'll grow out of that. You know, yeah. tried watching The Shining. She wanted nothing to do with it, but she comes in tonight. And she's like mad at me that I'm turning it off. I'm like, I've got to record. <laughs> you know, you're coming in. You know, she's like, this is the best part. I've never even seen this part. I'm like, that's because you leave all the time. <laughs> You've got to sit down and watch this movie. Right. <laughs> because, uh, you know, even even when it came out, I was reading earlier, it was a slow mover. It, it had to build steam. You know, I think that's one of those movies that, Oh, excuse me. The first time, you might not get it all. I didn't get it. I hated it. And I hated it because I had read the book. And this was not my book. You know what I mean? It's like, the things that were to say was the shine, the character names, and a hotel. Well, the consensus is that uh, Kubrick made it better. That's that's what I've heard. That the movie's I, better than the book. I'm going to tell you as a man that grew up reading the book... And as a man that saw the miniseries, I don't know if you ever watched the miniseries. No, I've heard very bad things about it. Horrible. Yeah. It's great if 
you're such a diehard of the book, if you're such a diehard, the Kubrick version sucks, then this was made for you. Okay, if you're that person, this was made for you. Because this is the book taken off the written word, you know, taken off the page and put in film. No variations. Everything is as is in the book. The computer graphics are horrible. The the, the animal hedges didn't work. It was... Uh... And we're talking the 90s, so CGI was not good. It was very cartoony. You know, if you, if you remember the 90s... Yeah. You know, you couldn't mix the two. You could you could do animation with live action and it worked. But CGI was in its infancy. It was not good at all. Right. And, and, and this miniseries was horrible. The, the casting was horrible. Everything about it was just wrong. But I think I was biased because I had grown to love this Kubrick version. Even though it's so different. It's his own movie. Like I said, the only things that are the same is the shine, the hotel, and the characters. Right. From there, there's a lot of creative liberty taken. It's he he did rewrite the movie or rewrite the book if you ask me. <clears throat> and I am of the mind, and I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I love his books. I like a lot of his movies too, but I love his books. Kubrick did it better. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way Stephen King should have wrote this son of a bitch. Right. Well, I mean, there are nods to the book in Dr. Sleep as I saw through that DVD extra and and uh, Stephen King loved it. He's like, I loved how you combined my book and Stanley Kubrick's vision in this, you know? Th that's awesome because I, I was wondering about that. Yeah, he, he loved it and he liked how he threw in a little bit of the Shining book in that and, you know, he thought he did the Dr. Sleep book justice, you know? I know it had, well, let's talk about that during Dr. Sleep. Um, the, the, the differences of, uh, you know, the shining, the, the part of the shining in Dr. Sleep should be saved for that episode. Cause, cause if we keep talking about this shit, it's going to be a 10 minute episode, <laughs> you know, and it's I very interesting. And you guys, you guys definitely gotta, if you don't own that, if you saw Dr. Sleep, you live it and you don't own that, check out the next episode. I'll give you those little Easter eggs, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to go back and, and continue to watch, um, I'll, uh, I'm going to have to get this director's cut. You have to. It's a must. It really, I mean, seriously, when I watched it, I go, God, that was very important. That should have been in the original, you know? And again, it, it may be a half hour longer, but it flows just like the, the, the theatrical version. It just, I'm telling you, man, I'm, look, it's too Never. early. It's too early to tell. I can't sit here and say this, but. Man, if I feel this way in the future, it's going to be one of the greatest movies ever made. You well, know? It's, it's definitely movie of the year 2019. No, no doubt. No definitely. Doubt. No you know, doubt. And, uh, I, I saw more movies this year than I've seen in a long time because Kristen and I went to the movies you know, frequently. Um, I thought Rise of Skywalker was going to be it. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was awesome. It I was great. It. <laughs> I loved it. You know, I, I absolutely loved it myself. But I saw this, and I was like... Holy shit! Yeah. Holy shit! I mean, I I, I had slammed one of those big Coca Colas. I had to piss like a Russian racehorse, dude. <laughs> and I refused to get up. I'm sitting there. You know how you got pissed so bad, your legs are shaking, in and out, in and out. You're like right. slapping your balls together because <laughs> you don't want to get up and leave. Yeah. This was that movie for me. And there's, you know, there's a lot of movies that do that. There's a lot. I'm like, fuck, I can't. You know, I can't well, I think uh, the last Avengers movie was the other one 
that I, at, at this point, I'm like pitching it off because I refuse to walk away. But this is the way Dr. Sleep was for me. I, I was surprised, and I don't even think pleasantly surprised is the right verbiage because that doesn't give the film enough credit. You know, when I saw Dr. Sleep, the first time I saw it, uh, it was a matinee show. Nobody in the theater. Second time I saw it, the same thing. It was like, you know, a couple... And I, I make a point of being very many rows away because I piss in the cup. During the movie, I, I'm not lying. I do, not only Dr. Sleep, every movie I see, I go... I have a theater literally one block from my house. I just... Nice. It takes me two minutes to walk there. And... I go, I buy me a big soda or a big, you know, usually it's a big um, uh, lemonade or something because I don't really like soda much anymore. And because I don't like soda much anymore because I had kidney stones. <laughs> That's right. why. Not that I don't like the taste. I hate kidney stones. So, oh, yeah. But uh, hey, by the way, still one of the greatest live performances ever. You on the floor screaming because uh, that thing's moving in your damn, uh, yeah. you know, in that line there. I actually had a kidney stone attack live on stage, and yeah. I fell on the floor and screamed. And it was it was actually the part of the song where I had to scream. Yeah, it worked out. And I was like, "Jesus, I wish I could have recorded that scream on the record." But that was <laughs> yeah. that was genuine. <laughs> but <laughs> still, one of the greatest live things I've ever seen. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I I couldn't wait to order the Blu-ray. I had to have it. So as soon as I saw it up on Voodoo, bought it. You know, on the spot, bought it. Right. Um, I, I like physical copies as much as the next person, uh, but I really enjoy Voodoo because it is very convenient, and I still own it. You know, I've I've my, the producers, the cast, whatever they got the same money they were going to get. You know, if it's nineteen ninety nine, it's twenty one and change. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So I'm still contributing. I just I I don't have the physical copy, and um, I'm reasonably sure that. This particular film did not come with any special features. All right, I'm back. Editing purposes, I took my piss. <laughs> I'm totally leaving that in on my version. What, even <laughs> even the silence? No, no, not silence, okay. of course. Yeah. God. Maybe I'll sing or something. Sing a little ditty. Yeah. Sing now, some, uh, some, you know what we haven't talked about Sammy is... Hager. Oh, yeah, Savvy Rules. <laughs> what we haven't talked about is... I don't think enough credit is given to the kid that played Danny. That was that was a young boy. Oh, he was amazing, and he was uh, like looking at some making ofs. He was kind kind of like uh, Linda Blair in The Exorcist. They were kind of oblivious what they were exactly doing. Um, really? Yeah, they weren't really like you know, you know the the scenes where you know even the horror scenes they they made it as comfortable as the kid. Uh, same thing with uh, you know, which I don't know how they got away with you know not scarring Linda uh, Linda Blair by saying, fuck me, Jesus, you know? Yeah, but, let Jesus fuck you, let Jesus fuck you. I mean, she, yeah, she, she, you know, her thing is like, you know, after a scene, she'd go to her mom, and her mom, how was it? Go, well, they made me say bad words. You know, like, she was like, kind of clueless. And I, and the same thing with Danny. Danny, they kind of treated, they were very, very careful with him uh, in the movie, where it didn't, like, he was just a, you know, a free-loving kid that, uh, doesn't didn't really realize what he was doing in that movie, you know. So he was just responding to direction. They didn't necessarily have him in the scene, so to speak. Right is what I'm guessing. Yeah, they didn't. You know, he wasn't motivated. All right, in this scene, you're going to see two girls uh, with their with laying on the floor full of blood. Oh, that's another thing I want to bring up. Another theory. 
there's a theory that the two girls are actually one person. And it's very, very interesting because the scene when you see them both on the floor dead, uh-huh. if you really look at it, this is how they explained it. It's a mirror. And you see one girl looking one way and then the other girl looking the other way and they're kind of positioned the same way where right. it kind of looks like it's mirroring each other. And you notice they both talk exactly at the same time. Always. You know, so there, there's a theory that you know, when, when she's look when he's looking at the two girls in the hallway, it's a mirror that's making them two people. That's a theory. Yeah, that's another theory. That just gave it. me goosebumps. That's 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 still I mean, even listening to that, it's still such a horrifying image, those two little girls. Dude. What could be more innocent than two little girls talking? But it's such a horrifying fucking image. They're creepy looking. I mean, I'm telling you, when I first saw the movie, you didn't like it? That scene creeped me out. Yeah, it, it, play with us, Daddy. Jesus. <laughs> and every time they showed up, like when they showed up in the little rec room, which they explained the poster on the wall, there's a skiing poster on the wall. God that, damn it. So you're looking at posters and shit, no, not I'm watching saying, the characters. <laughs> no, I'm saying when I looked at these YouTube videos. Oh, okay. They bring I've got up, to watch these videos. They're bringing, they brought up a, youth, uh, a poster on the wall which shows a guy skiing. And they do explain in the movie that's not a skiing type resort. But again, Kubrick did that on purpose. Right. You know, it's like th there's no like that scene I was talking about. The chair's there, then it's not there. I mean, that happens in a lot of movies. But by yeah, but, that's, but it's poor editing. Yeah. Normally, uh, Strange Lands from D. Snyder. Right. Uh, I have that DVD, and you, you listen to the commentary. He brings up a part where the guy looks out the uh, uh, a window, and there's a dog barking. And there's a newspaper on the floor. Then he, they pan back at the guy, and then he looks back out, and the newspaper's gone. And Dee Snyder admits it. Yeah, we fucked up that scene. Right. But he that's not Kubrick. You know, Kubrick does things meticulously. So for that chair to disappear, dude, he would not allow that to happen by mistake. Not not to disappear, then reappear. And then reappear. Yeah, to, to disappear, okay, maybe that's something you didn't see happening. But to reappear... You've got to watch your product. <laughs> you he, know? Would, he would not do that. He no, would, not at all. That was on purpose. Everything that you think is a mistake, it's on purpose. You know? But What, what was that kid's name that played Danny? I'm trying to find that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm glad Bobby to know Dahl. that... No, Danny Lloyd. Yeah, Bobby Dahl. He went on to be the bass player in Poison. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You didn't know that? Stop it. <laughs> oh lordy but no i'm glad to know that he was handled well um because 70s 80s child actors weren't always handled well yeah i mean is... uh most of them turned out to be raging you know junkies <laughs> and, uh, and, and a lot Drew of them Barrymore, were... macaulay calkin yeah you know the the olsen twins <laughs> it just the, turned out horrible the Corey guy that died Corey haim Corey haim Hell, both Corys. Yeah, Corey. Yeah, Corey Feldman. Uh, was he a drug addict? Because I know he just woke. He just grew up wacky. I don't know. Yeah, yeah he, he might have been. He was an addict as well. Right. I know Drew Barrymore was doing cocaine like at twelve or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Crazy. it's good to know he was he was handled well, but I would love to have been there when, because I'm assuming Kubrick is the one that was directing as well. I could be wrong. But uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall 
tried to get these little looks of terror out of this kid. Because yeah. he was young. That is a young child. They just probably, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And he wasn't, he wasn't aware of what he was doing. I got another thing, another little theory that's the most, probably the most bizarre out of all of them was in the Shining DVD or Blu-ray, whatever I got, it has a behind-the-scene feature. And, he, and, and there's a behind-the-scene feature that they feel that Kubrick staged. It's a part where I forgot the actor's name. There was this famous actor that Jack Nicholson met in the, in the scene, and the guy is introducing his family to them. And, in, and there's two little girls in the, in the scene, and one of them is wearing the identical dress one of the twins are wearing. Oh, wow. And the other one, but you don't see her face, but the other one, she looks a lot, she's not one of the twins, but she looks a lot like her. And in when that behind-the-scene footage was filmed, they never did the twin scene yet. So they think that Kubrick set up that, <laughs> set up even a behind-the-scenes to go with the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just crazy. It is nuts if it is true. But it is eerie because the, the little girl's wearing the identical dress, which, by the way, it, uh, in Dr. Sleep, when they got the little girls, the uh -huh. twins in there, they said it was impossible to find those dresses, that they had to actually make them they, themselves. They had to make them? They had to make them themselves. So in that, you know, that scene, you know, they, they I guess they could find dresses from way back then because, you know, it was the uh, late 70s when that movie was made. Uh, but okay, um, daddy. Uh, Danny Lloyd that played Danny Torrance he was 8 when he did uh, The Shining because uh, he retired from acting at 10 after his appearance as young Liddy in the television film uh, Will G. Gordon Liddy I don't know what the fuck that is but that's a famous guy I, I've heard apparently, that apparently he was so he must have been 8 years old The Shining came out in 80 uh, dude I'm, I'm looking at this he had a cameo role as a spectator at the baseball game in, in Dr. Sleep. Wow, cool. I didn't know that. No, me it's neither. It's just a cameo, no lines. Yeah, they didn't explain that. It's saying, uh, in 2019, Lloyd appeared in a cameo role as a spectator at a baseball game in the Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep, his first acting role in 38 years. There's literally nothing on here about this guy. The personal life, all it says is, Lloyd keeps his personal information mostly private, married to Jesse Diana, and has four children. That's all it says. Wow. Crazy. That's all the information you can find about that guy. Well, so, yeah. Find a kid that looks like little Danny. And he's in the crowd at the baseball game. And they found a little kid that looked like little Danny in Dr. Sleep, too. It, it was a pretty good job. Um, he looked more like Danny when I saw Dr. Sleep and hadn't seen The Shining in years. Right. <laughs> then he looks now after just watching The Shining. Because I literally turned it off. Jack had just started coming through the door with the axe. All right, <laughs> you know? so you saw pretty much the, almost everything. Yeah, like like I was telling the van, we're at the end. This shit's almost over. Right. <laughs> you know, you've got to build up. The first act is short. The the third act is short. You know, it's that middle act that's that's the all important. And you know, your your red bathroom scene. That's that's the switch. Right. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, man, it it's just so meticulously done that it's one of those movies that you know look my favorite movie of all time is jaws but when i watch jaws i know it's coming i'm not like analyzing every little thing 
The Shining, man, I don't. I've seen that shit, oof, maybe fifty or more times through the years. Right. Especially through the last few years, I've been watching it a lot. But when I watch it, I just sit there and look at every little thing because I already know the dialogue. I know it, seen it enough. But man, that was. Uh, it's just a great, great watch. And everybody out there that's seen it, ah, that movie's boring. Believe me, I was you. Do yes. yourself a favor. Go watch it again and watch it. You know, watch some some behind uh, some of those YouTube videos. Watch it videos. loud. It's got to be loud. Have you noticed that? It's got to be loud. Yeah, you hear a little and and the music. The the, the music, the sound effects when when uh, Danny and Jack and Wendy and Dick are in the kitchen talking. No, Jack wasn't there. He was off with Ullman doing paperwork or something. Right. And yeah. Scatman Crothers, Dick Halloran, is talking to Wendy, uh, 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 Shelley Duvall, and then all of a sudden that high-pitched ringing just comes up. Yeah. It well, almost hurts your ears. And then he turns to Danny, and this was creepy as fuck to me, too, even on the first watch. He's steadily talking to Wendy, turns to Danny, but you hear him talking to Danny, you know, through the mind. And that look, again, brilliant direction on Kubrick's part to get, I don't, I don't know what that look is in Danny's face. I don't know if it's realization. I don't know if it's fear. But that is such a powerful scene when you realize <coughs> that Dick has the shine to him as well. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. But if you have the volume at the right level, It'll hurt your ears, that sound, as it just intensifies, intensifies, well, intensifies, and then Dick talks to him with his mind. It's fucking amazing. No, and how about the music they used when Jack was consoling Danny that he wouldn't hurt them? It's right. eerie, fucked up music. It doesn't go, it, it's not loving, where the scene is loving, even though, you know, it's clear that Jack is insane already, but you hear that music, and you, it, it just builds up Something really bad's about to happen, and they Absolutely. cut they cut the scene, and that's when supposedly he molested Danny, like in that scene, you know, yes. where he said, "I'm not going to hurt you and mom, I love you." And then the way he tugs at him and gives him that eerie smile, it looks right. like he's about to do something to him, and the music emphasizes that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the, what's the big word? It's the antithesis of what's going on in the scene. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and. and that's another great thing is I don't I don't know who Kubrick got to 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 score this, but just the opening music, you know, as you know the camera's flying over the mountains, you know, you see the cars are driving up, you know, to the overlook. What the fuck is that instrument? I can't tell if it's a stringed instrument or if it's a horn, because it's very, dun, yeah, dun. It's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's, but it's, it's brilliantly used. It's very, it's, it's definitely one of those. We could do a lot here, but we're going to hold back and not. Yeah, you know, I don't, right. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but you're a musician. You understand what I'm saying. You're a fan of music. You yeah. know what I'm saying. There's a lot of bands out there to say we could do a lot here, and damn it, we're going to do it. You know, to right. me, that's bands like uh, uh, Dream Theater or, or even Ingve Malmsteen. Mm -hmm. He he does does a hold back. Vinnie Vincent, you know, calm the fuck out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And in this, it's it's very pulled back, 
But whatever those instruments are, or instrument is, because I, man, my ears have a hard time figuring it out. It is very direct, and it is very subdued. You know, it, it's holding back, and I think that adds to the creepiness. To, of this to, yeah, movie. to the tension. You know, it's it's a one of a kind movie. I mean, I have seen some movies people try to replicate it, and it just doesn't work. Where Doctor Sleep, it works, and Doctor Sleep. Well, I mean, fuck it. I'll just say it. It's, it should be said on that episode, but I'll say I'll probably repeat this. But Doctor Sleep doesn't try to be Kubrick, but gives it nods. Yes. You know, it gives it nods, and it's respectful. Where, yes. you know, the, the, the typical thing you would... It's not a cheap imitation. No, and in a way, I mean, I was a little hesitant. I'm not going to lie, but I'm such a shining freak that I have to go see this. But I walked into that theater going, all right, this guy I'm sure is going to take a lot of, you know, of Kubrick's things and, you know, just copy Kubrick. Where he really didn't, and when he did... It was more of a homage. It wasn't like him trying to use Kubrick's uh, vision to help his movie. He just gave you, you know, a couple little, like Danny riding the little tricycle through the hallway or them driving to the Overlook and you hear oh that. Oh, my music God, there. that scene right there. Ralph, yeah. I had such a big fucking smile on my face. It was awesome. Because even though I know, oh, shit, if they're going to the Overlook, it's bad. Because you've already seen all the horrific things that have gone on in this movie. And it doesn't hit you that they're going to the Overlook until that camera is flying over those same mountains. It is going to that same hotel. And it's the same fucking music. The same music and the, the same, yeah. The grin on my face was ridiculous. Even though I knew it was about to break off. Yep. And what a way to I had, it, it was ear to ear. I was... I wanted to stand up and cheer. Yeah, it's great. It's just, it was just, it, to me, man, it really, I mean, usually I understand. Look, I understand the concept of the masses, how they're idiots, you know, how people care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, care right. about the Grammys. I, I understand the stupidness. And, and, and you know, I can, I can kind of overlook that. But what I cannot overlook is how that movie didn't do well. It drives me nuts. How oh, Doctor Sleep or The yeah, Shining? Yeah, the, the Doctor Sleep. Because yeah, The Shining only did forty-six million, which I guess in nineteen eighty is great. Well, it's legacy, and it was a slow grower. It's a its legacy has made it grow, and I think it would be a goddamn shame if Doctor Sleep doesn't have that uh, same legacy uh, in the future. Because do you think it's because people are, are already of a certain mind where The Shining is concerned that they they just don't get it? So why the fuck? Am I going to care about this little boy all grown up? No, because, um, well, yeah, the people that didn't get The Shining would not want to see Dr. Sleep. I'm talking about, man, the amount of people that did get The Shining didn't go see this because, you know, kind of like the same theory of, uh, oh, man, nah, man, you don't fuck with greatness, you know. I don't even want to see. Look, I have a friend um, who refuses, refuses to see the, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I don't like remakes, but Dawn of the Den remake was amazing, and he still. I tell him, dude, you, I, I, I agree with you. I hate remakes. They're fucking horrible. But this one's the exception. He's like, nope, still don't want to see it. Don't fuck with Dawn of the Dead. And I think that may be the case with a lot of people that love The Shining so much that they'll be like, nope, I don't care how well you say it is. I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? 
it, it's right. just, it's just now me. I don't think I've seen either of them, but zombie films are not my thing. Well, yeah, there's a I, couple I like. I'm not the fin- biggest fanatic of zombie films, but um, when I saw Dawn of the Dead, the remake of it, I was like, dude, this shit's intense because these zombies ran, you know. Most zombies see, just stumble along. These fuckers see, all that. <laughs> this is how fucked up I am. I hate zombie movies because I hate the whole uh, uh, slow moving breeze. Uh, uh, I hate that shit. These fuckers At the same ran. time, when they're running, <laughs> I hate that even more. Uh, it was freaked me out. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, they run. Because I'm like, they don't fucking run. That's not how a zombie works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as a zombie, but I get that pissed off. Yeah, I know, right? I will say, uh, if you haven't seen it, The Dead Don't Die, amazing. I saw it. I saw it not too long. That's the one with Bill Murray, right? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was so quirky. And it's not your typical zombie movie. Not at all. And, and I, I like just... uh, Adam Driver in it. You know, yeah. It's got the, you know, the Star Destroyer keychain, the Star Wars saying, you know, <laughs> the end of the movie, and I'm sorry, fuck you guys, I'm going to spoil the shit out of this. When he's talking to Bill Murray and they're surrounded in the graveyard, he's like, yeah, I fucking read the script. Yeah. I'm not getting out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do they call that? The third window or something like that? Yeah. I I didn't, hey, he didn't tell me that part of the script. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was great. Yeah, Bill and Murray, I, love, I love how nonchalant they were, too. Like when the yeah. zombie the zombie uh, alcoholic woman in the, in the jailhouse scene. Yeah. They were like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, they didn't, like the girl yeah, freaked out. Bitch. The girl freaked out, but Bill Murray and Adam Driver were like, uh, like, yeah. like nonchalant. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it, it's great. It's, it's a weird, great. it's, a, it's, it's an out of a box movie. It's not what I expected. I yeah, rented uh, it. I rented it and I asked people, I go, Hey, I'm, I'm about to watch this. What do y'all think? I'd say about 20% loved it and 80% thought it sucked. No, but, it was great. If, if, if they thought it sucked, they don't understand the film. Yeah. I watched it and I was like, this is fucking hilarious. I love it's, it. it. It's it, it's hilarious, and I don't know that it's trying to be hilarious. It's not, but at it's, the same time, it's absolutely trying to be hilarious. Yeah, it's it's uh. But Mel- they're Mel- expected zombie land hilarious. No, but it's not a zombie movie to me. You know, no. there's zombie movies in it, but it doesn't fo- uh, follow the script of you know what a zombie movie should be like. No, that's like uh, I, I forget who the actress is, but the sword wielding chick that goes up to the aliens. What the? What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, she don't give a fuck. It's like it doesn't even fit. She yeah. goes out into the middle of the zombies and gets carried off by aliens. Uh, what what is those, going on here? And those two that wake up while she's like being in the morgue, she wasn't yeah. even surprised at all. She's like, uh oh. You yeah. know, like, what, what, what's this? You know, <laughs> time to lop off heads. Well, why, 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 why do their eyes keep opening? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> and that's her first experience of, you know, there's actually zombies are real. And it still doesn't really affect her like it would me. I'd be like, holy shit! <laughs> right, run! Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Is there is there anything else we have to say about this movie other than sucking its dicks, singing it so much praise and telling people if you haven't seen it, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it in Dr. Sleep. Um, I'm sure there's some points that I forgot to talk about, and especially after I watched 237. You know, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go watch that myself. I, I've got to see if that's on Voodoo because, uh, like I said, you can buy it on YouTube. I don't buy anything on YouTube though. I don't want to bother with that. Right. All right. So I guess that's all we can say about The Shining this week. I'm sure we'll have a couple little things to say about Room Two Thirty Seven. 
Oh, uh, yeah, because I'm definitely going out buying that stuff that I'm going to watch that son of a bitch. I'm going to watch all these other videos, too. Yeah, definitely watch all those YouTube conspiracy theories. They're they're really great. They could be wrong, but they they make sense, you know? And so, anything that inspires thought is not a bad thing. Exactly, and it is very thoughtful, and it's very intriguing, a lot of things. But, you know, 237 is probably, like, the most integral one. I mean, these these people are very thorough, but... You know, I mean, fan theories, when you listen to those, it's kind of like, all right, this wasn't in 237, but it makes sense to me, too. You know, so. Uh, so join I know us. I'm looking forward to it. Join us next week. Dave, I want to thank you. And I will see you next week for the Dr. Sleep slash Room 237 episode. Hey, I want to thank you because this is a crossover episode. It's going to be aired on both platforms. So Hell thank yeah. you for Hell coming yeah. on the Plug Podcast. That's right. And they'll both be differently edited. So, you know, Nate's going to edit his way. I do it my way. And uh, we'll see who finishes first. It's a race. Who puts, the, who puts this up first? <laughs> oh, shit. Race and the great Dr. Fuck. We know I'm coming in dead last. Nah. <laughs> you never know. I Actually, I'm going to watch 237 now, so I ain't going to be editing tonight. I, I think I'm going to do the same thing, to be honest with you. Right on, brother. All right, Schmackamagob. Hey, you know what Schmackamagob means? I have no idea. Thank you for being on the show, Nate. And I was very uh, impressed by the Shining review we both did and next week's Dr. Sleep. Can't wait for that. Motherfuckers buy vinyl. Schmackamagob. You know what that means? <laughs> no. Thank you again, Nate. <laughs> You rule, Ralph. Hey, this was really fun. We hope you liked it, too. Seems like we've just begun when suddenly we're through. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. Cause now it's time to go. But hey, I say, well, that's okay. Cause we'll see you very soon, I know. Very soon I know. What the fuck is this shit? This is how we say goodbye on the plug. See you next week.